Good morning, everybody. Ooh, it's quite loud, I think. Yeah, so some of us yesterday, we went out to Entebbe and we had a, a lovely picnic while those in Kampala were suffering in all that rain. We were running around in the sun in Entebbe. So uh, we really thank God for that. Um, yeah. But then on the way home, I was, uh, ooh, it's got very loud again. I was uh, listening to the BBC radio on the, on the car, and the headline news was this terrible killing of these children in Uganda. And, um, and then when we got home, we heard more about it on the news. And, and as Patrick said this morning in the worship, our hearts are saddened and distressed. And in my sermon this morning, I talk about evil people. Evil is here. Evil is in this world. Um, and we confront that as a, as a church, as Christians. We, our paths cross, cross that evil. And it affects us. But as Patrick said, and as we went through our worship praising God, God, God is God. God is in control. But I think before I start my sermon, I was going to ask Jackie, but Jackie, I think, has gone out. So maybe, Monica, could you come and just pray for the families which are grieving the loss of their, their loved ones? Pray for those which are still missing, I think. Um, pray that justice would be done. And my sermon this morning is about justice. But, uh, but really for comfort, those people that have lost, those families that have lost, 40 families at least lost loved ones. Is that okay, Monica? I ask the professional prayers rather than, rather than me. Okay. <laughs> so let's pray. I think it's... Um, Father, you have invited us in your presence that we pray whenever we are struggling, whenever we don't understand, we thank you that you have, we have our Holy Spirit, who's, um, your Holy Spirit is our comforter. Mm. And so Lord, at this time, at this moment, as we have heard this news, uh, we may not be able to understand everything that's going on, but Lord, we just want to pray for those who are involved in the situation. We pray mm. for those who are grieving, who are directly affected by this tragedy. We mm. pray for their families. We pray that your spirit will be there to comfort mm. them as he has promised. He's a comforter Amen. and indeed he will be with them. Mm. Just pray for those who are um, around them and who surround them that your love will be seen. Um, they will be really witnesses of your love, especially during this time. Lord, your word says that you are near to those who are in distress. And Lord, may this be evident. Mm. We pray for other people who are really looking to see how to rescue the situation, turn around the situation. Um, we also pray for them that you give them wisdom in the way that they're supposed to, to do things, really, um, and to provide where provision is necessary, mm. to pray where prayer is necessary, mm. and to provide what is needed in this season, in this time. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Monica. And, and we confess we can't understand such situations. And, uh, but what I do know is that God is in control. God is God of love, and he will be pouring out his love on those families that have lost their, their loved ones. Anyway, to my message this morning. Yeah, sorry, Christine. No eggs, no stones, no. I did think of something, but it was a bit dirty. Uh, the, uh, last time. I, uh, last time I spoke at the source, we made sort of, we had, um, they were making something from Play-Doh. I made Play-Doh. 
but I made it the night before, and then when I took it out, it sort of seemed okay, but <laughs> when people started using it, it was really sticky, and everyone ended up with hands covered in this sticky Play-Doh. But anyway, it got the point across. But nothing today, so don't, don't worry. Um, nothing today like that. Now, uh, what does the Lord require? Is there... I want first a very nice picture of Jesus looking after his sheep, and that's what Jesus is doing this very day for us. The next one, ah. Now, that's the foundation verse for today. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Okay, where is that verse? Micah, very good. Where, Micah? Uh, Micah, what? Three. My, six. Yeah, very, very, very good. Oh, I'll finish off then. Verse. Maybe it says the verse. No, it doesn't. I wiped it off. That's good. Eight. Eight. Yeah, Micah, six, verse eight. Now, those of you with Bibles in your phones or on your hard Bibles, why don't you look up that verse so you see where Michael is? So often we. You know, we know where all the letters are, we know where Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are, we know where Genesis is, but these minor prophets, where are they? Somewhere just before the New Testament, we get a, a bit lost. Anyway, our phones help us a bit. Uh, we use with the, uh, the paper ones, flick through the pages and find, and then we'll, um, we'll read together. I want us to read, actually, uh, uh, verses 6 to 8. It'll also come up on the screen, but if you do look it up, I, I think it's good to find where it is. So, Micah 6, verse uh, 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Puts it into a little bit of context. Normally, Monica asks us a long time in advance to, to speak, and I have a little time to prepare, but this time it's a bit shorter after I got back from holiday. And uh, so I hadn't had long to prepare the sermon. And so always, and, and she said it was free. You can talk on whatever you, you want. We're not following through anything at the moment. So I started praying earnestly, Lord, just show me uh, what, uh, what you wanted me to speak on. And I think it was the following day in this Bible app that I have, and it pops up the verse of the day, this verse was there. Well, Micah 6, verse 8. And it came to me that, uh, yeah, this is what God wanted me uh, to base my message on. I'm not really talking on it per se, but I'm basing what I say on that. And so I WhatsApped it to Harriet, so I, my wife, so I remember uh, what it was. And I also struggled to look it up um, to try and find the context. And uh, that's why I requested you also if you, you look it up now. Sometimes we miss out on these scriptural gems that are in the less well-read portions of the Bible. So if you have time, when you get home, please read the whole chapter or even the whole book. Um, but I think the verses 6 and, six and 7 
uh, give us an idea of where, where eight is coming from. We can give God a sacrifice. It was the norm at that time amongst the Jews and following God's instructions. There was nothing wrong with it. It was what God required. We can give any amount of wealth related to this passage by suggesting thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil. Such quantities indicate huge wealth. We've just given our offering. It's good. God wants it. The church needs it. We can give our own flesh and blood, our child, the thing that would be perhaps the most precious to us. And of course, we've had dedication services here where we've given our children to God. That's so precious to God. He loves the little children running around in the church. Wonderful. But God says in this case, no, no, no. I just want for you to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Three things. This is what the Lord requires of each of us. But what does it mean in our everyday lives? And I want to use these three requirements and relate them to New, passages, to New Testament passages. Uh, Jesus is an example, and ourselves. Yes, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly. But how is that worked out in our life in 2023? So the first, act justly. Matthew 5 and verse 38 to 42 says this. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, that's Jesus of course, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you in the right cheek, let them slap the other one also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand it over and take your coats as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, like Ian was yesterday in our walk, <laughs> go with them two miles, we did, right to the lake. Uh, give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I think most of us face that every day. <laughs> so, what do we think of these well-known words of Jesus, which are part of the Sermon on the Mount? Is this justice? I get a slap on the cheek for no reason and then I ask the person to slap the other, to take my coat as well as my shirt, to walk two miles instead of one and to lend whatever he asks. Of course, Jesus is considering the consequences of our action and the impact it has on those we are interacting with at a higher level. Jesus acknowledges that this is an evil person asking these things. And so it is our role as Christians to bring light into such situations and to such people. That's why I said, I'm, with the Cassesi tragedy, I'm speaking of evil people this morning. To bring light into such situations and to such people. Through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, we can walk boldly before the heavenly throne because our sins have been forgiven. Christ gave his life for us while we were still sinners. This is not justice. We deserve to die. The wages of sin is death. It's not just, that's justice. But this is love. And it's what we need to emulate as we seek to live as Christians in the world with much darkness and unfortunately evil people. And I wrote this on Friday. 
before this terrible tragedy. Romans 5 and verse 6 and 8 to 8 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The bar that Jesus sets is always so much higher than the bar which is set at fair. Courtroom justice is fair. You did wrong, you have a trial, and you face the consequences if proved guilty. There is nothing wrong with this system. It existed in Jesus' time and continues up to this day. But Jesus is not asking us to consider fairness, but love. To see the person behind the injustice and by the power of the Holy Spirit within us to act or react as he would have done. Not easy. Not easy for sure. But just remember Romans 8 verse 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Secondly, love, mercy. Now, it's a bit of a long passage, but I, I, I like this passage. Uh, John 8, verses 2 to 11. Let's read the story. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people were gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Obviously, Jesus again. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it's commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is, out, who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. Again he stooped and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where have they gone? Has there no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. As an aside, the first thing I wonder about this passage is, is where is the man who was committing the adultery? Anyway, that's for another discussion. And also the fact that he brought this woman in front of all the crowd, so humiliating towards her. Now, if I was Jesus, I would have had a go at the men first. Where's the man? Why are you humiliating this poor woman? But fortunately, I am not Jesus. <laughs> this is practically following on from the teaching we have just considered under Act Justly. And Jesus' challenge to us is about how to deal with evil people. So Jesus bends down, writing in the sand, not looking at the woman or at any of the crowd before him. But their accusations continue. Jesus stood up, perhaps looked at them in the eye, and said, 
in verse 7b, let any of one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. He bent back down and continued writing in the sand. He did not need to say any more. They were teachers, clever people, people who knew the scriptures back to front. And each of the laws they knew they should keep. The challenge was now before them. <laughs> and it's interesting that it was the older ones who went away first. They're the ones who realized, yeah, he's, he's got us. Knowing that in these few words, Jesus had trapped them. And it was rather the other way around. The rest gradually realized the power of Jesus' question until only Jesus and the woman were left. Jesus straightened up and looked around. Verse 10, Woman, where are, they? where are they? Has no one condemned you? And the woman replies and the conversation finishes. No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you, declared Jesus. Go now, leave your life of sin. The title of this section is Love Mercy. The Pharisees and the teachers certainly did not love, Je love mercy. But Jesus was and always is full of mercy. Jesus was merciful to the woman. It is not that he ignored the sin. The Pharisees were right and adultery is a sin and requires punishment. Uh, Jesus hated the sin but loved the woman. Mercy triumphed over judgment. And the final words of Jesus are, go now and leave your life of sin. As I was looking, I, I found this in Christianity.com. Mercy triumphs over judgment because it displays undeserving, loving grace and compassion, reflect, which reflects God's gracious gift of salvation. Let me read it again. Mercy triumphs over judgment because it displays undeserved loving grace and compassion which reflects God's gracious gift of salvation. Christians are called to show the same mercy and grace to others, both in matters of forgiveness and in showing love to others. Where in our lives can we love mercy? To show mercy over judgment, we might be in the right but this is not about right and wrong, but about love. To be able to demonstrate mercy to those who have cheated us, who have hurt us, who have wronged us, whatever the situation might be. Can we follow the example of Jesus and also let mercy triumph over judgment in our lives, in our relationships? Let's just close our eyes for a minute and contemplate on that fact. Mercy triumphing over judgment in our lives and relationships. Dear Lord, it's not easy, but we want to be more like you in our everyday lives. Help us by the power of your Spirit where it's needed to show love, to show mercy and not judgment. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. James 2 and verse 12 and 13 says this, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. 
Because judgment without mercy will be shown, will be shown to anyone who has not been mercy, merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So, thirdly, walk humbly. Harriet knows that I love walking. She says, where are you going? <laughs> As I wander off in the house with Chanel and I walk around. At work, whether in Entebbe or Wondergea, my colleagues are used to me see, going off at lunchtime to have a stroll. And the weekend, I often take Chanel for a walk, well, carrying Chanel most of the time, around our neighborhood. When you have walked, you have time to look. Also, it's not so tiring like jogging or whatever else athletic people do, but when you walk, you have time to look, to contemplate, to enjoy, to stop, and even to back up. And all those things are the wonders of walking. And all those things can also, help, uh, can also be applied as we walk through our lives. And hence the encouragement to walk humbly, not to run, Take your time. Take your time to consider these different things that we face in our lives. Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 3 says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul tells us to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. And what things of worth, worth does he pick up? Humility, gentleness, patience and love. Interesting. All of these things are such nice words and so easily said, but often so much harder to put into practice. We live in a fallen world. We're already taught about the evil people who would wish to do us harm. And we are not living in isolation in a monastery of, uh, of, uh, or in a monastery situation where everybody's thinking as we're thinking. No, we're mixed up in a dirty and often disagreeable world. And sadly at times that dirtiness and disagreement even comes into our church situation. But whether in the world or in the church, we need to walk humbly and to pick peace rather than a fight. As I was preparing this message, I read about humility. Humility has the same root as humus. Now, I'm, a, I'm an agricultural person, so I know what humus is, even if I don't know hum humility so much. Or what we commonly call soil or dirt. That was my inspiration for today's thing, but I didn't want to make you get dirty. So humility means to put your face down in the dirt. So sorry, Christine, you've missed out on the face in the dirt. But you can try it at home. Don't, don't let me stop you going at home and trying proper humility by putting your face in the dirt. It's not a nice experience, and we might certainly get dirty. But it is the humility that Christ wants us to follow. Not to bury our heads in the sand like ostriches are reported to do. I don't know if they do or don't, but I read that they do. In, that, in the hope that without seeing the bad situation, it will somehow go away. No. We are still completely aware of the situation. As Jesus bent down and wrote in the sand, we also take a breath, resist arguing back, the eye for an eye, and see a way through to bear one another up in love, to maintain 
that bond of peace. When I'm helping with the junior church, we often end the session with a memory verse, a verse that really sums up all that we've been talking about. And if I was to choose a verse today, then I think it would this be this uh, Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I'm not going to ask you to memorize it now or test you or anything, but it's a good verse to keep in our hearts. Why not try and memorize this verse and see how many times you can apply it through this week as you chat after the service, as you go home and meet your family and friends, as you go to work or to school or wherever you interact during the weekdays, as you receive that social media post from the person who's been hustling you. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And as we seek to apply these words in our lives, I also read in my preparation, and I like this, humility is without personal pride. Humility is not thinking of Alistair. It's not thinking of me. It's thinking of the other person. What are, how are our actions affecting the other person? And this is exactly why it is so difficult to put into practice. It seems to be human characteristic that no one likes losing faith. To lose faith is to lose pride. But always we need to remember the example of our Lord and Saviour. For our sakes, as he was hanging on that cross, lost all pride in the face of men, he says this in Luke 23 and verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes by casting lots. Just came into my mind. He says, if, you, if a person asks for your shirt, give him his coat. They just took everything from our Lord Jesus. Unity is the desire of Jesus. Disunity is the aim of the devil. Jesus' humility an example. Let's read Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Can you remember our foundation verse in Micah 6 and verse 8? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Okay, I've spoken for, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. But you want this message in one word? Love. That's it. And so let me finish with these words of Jesus. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. I think we all know these words. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, help us to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly. Such simple words and yet so difficult, we know that. Lord, you don't hide the fact that we're living in an evil and a fallen world and, and in Uganda our hearts are, are so sad at the moment that Uganda reaches the news once again for a bad situation. Lord, we pray uh, that we would be lights in the darkness. Lord, because Sassy may seem very distant from us here in Kampala, but Lord, we have those situations in our own lives, in our families, at work, amongst our relationships, even within our church, perhaps. Lord, may we be, love you and love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, help us in this by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. I, uh, please enjoy your tea and your coffee and your cakes. Uh, if you want a little chat over coffee, then you could have a chat about these things. Not compulsory, but I know some of you get like getting into little groups and chatting, so uh, please do share and encourage one another. Otherwise, all the best and uh, God bless. Enjoy your rest of the week, rest of the day, and take care. Amen.